Again, it's good to have everybody here. I want to remind you of next week. Next week is a special week because our young people will be doing Bible class and worship. And so I think it's our fifth graders all the way. I think even I, I think many of our children's ministry are still going to be involved in this as well. But we've got a lot of kids. So next Sunday as you come in, the women will be in the auditorium for Bible class. All the women will be in the auditorium for Bible class. And then the men will be in the fellowship hall for Bible class. And so our, our young people will be doing those classes. And so just remember that. In worship, our young people will be doing that as well. And so just uh, be aware of that. So when you come in next week, just remember, women in here, men in there, everybody, all the women, everybody will be in here. At women and then the men in the fellowship hall. We're in a series, um, a series titled Identity. For you that may be here for the very first time, thank you again for being with us. And our objective has been to discover the identity of word in John chapters 1 through and verses 1 through 18. Now we're going to look at John chapter 1 verses 1 through 5 today. And the question is, who is the word? Who, what is the Word? How important is the Word? Should we actually listen to the Word? What's the character of the Word? Also, as we continue, we'll continue asking those personal questions that we need to reflect on in our own lives. Like the, uh, the question that I said, whose am I? Will I listen to the Word? Will I obey the Word? Will I allow the Word to be my identity in my life. The Word, the Word which was in the beginning with God, it demands our attention, and that Word demands a thorough investigation. So let's read our first five passages there in John chapter 1. Here we go. In the beginning was the Word. And Judah, thank you for reading this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Okay, so last week, last week, we discussed the importance of that word, word. The word that came out of the mouth of God, that word is Jesus. It is Jesus. When God opened his mouth and said and, and spoke into existence creation, that word that came out of his mouth was Jesus. When he was on Mount Sinai and he gave the words out, that word that came out of the mouth of God is Jesus. It's Jesus. Jesus is the one who is the spoken word of God. Jesus is the word lived in relationship now to humanity. The word is truth. The word is truth, and that word is life, and that word became flesh. That word became flesh. Okay, here's a crazy thought. It's just something that my mind goes to sometimes. And so following that sermon last week, I had this crazy, crazy idea, crazy question, but that's how my mind works. If we were all trapped, just think about the scenario. If we were all trapped, everybody in here, we're all trapped on a deserted island, and we only had the words of Jesus in our possession, could we be faithful followers of God? 
Could we be faithful followers of God? And I'm talking about the red letters of Jesus. What would, we, what would be missing if we just had those words? Think about the red letters in your Bible. Could we be faithful followers if, only, if we only had Jesus' words? Okay, let me ask you. Does Jesus speak about the importance of his Father, of obeying his Father? Yes? Yes. Does Jesus speak about the Spirit, the Comforter, the Teacher, the Helper? Does he? Yes. Does he give us words about how we're to live and how we're to be in relationship with one another? Absolutely he does. That's Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. That's the Sermon on the Mount. That's kind of his kingdom ethics that he has. Did he speak about worship? Yes, he did. Worship me in spirit and in truth. And does he institute the Lord's Supper for each and every one of us, for his followers? Yes, he wants us to remember his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And does he speak of the importance of being baptized into his name, into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Absolutely he does. And does he speak of a mission that he has given to each and every one of us, go into all the world? Yes. So, if we only had the words of Jesus, could we be faithful on that deserted island where we have no internet and we have no cell coverage and your phones don't work? In other words, if we had to live on what Jesus, what came out of the mouth of Jesus, could I be a faithful follower? And I believe the answer to that is absolutely yes. Because I believe Jesus revealed to us what we need to know to live a godly and faithful life. So, what is, why is this scenario so important? And here's the reason. Because there's no one else in Scripture, there's no one else in Scripture, not Paul, not John, not Peter, not James, who said of themselves, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus' words, even in his own voice and what he said, has authority. They are life. They are bread to eat. They're the rivers of flowing water that flow through us. They are eternal. Jesus was faithful and obedient to the words given to him by his Father to speak that we talked about last week. He is the only one on this earth who has completely been obedient and faithful to the words of God. We, not so much. Not so much. Because all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've fallen short of obeying the words of God. The word which was from the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay, so every day, every day we are inundated by these, with concepts, with ideas, with views, with theories, with thoughts. We are overwhelmed by the amount of information we are asked to evaluate every single day, every single day. Is this information true or is it false? Should I uh, capture it and live by that or should I just let it go? We are bombarded by words, 20,000 to 30,000 words in a 
four-hour period. And each of those words, each of those words are pushing or they're pulling. They're seeking, they're asking, they're begging. Listen to me. Give me your attention. These words are important. Take my path. It's easy. It's fun. It will increase your wealth. It will increase your popularity. You will be accepted and valued. Follow me and I can give you your heart's desires. As Christians, though, as Christians, our worldview is not a what, but a who. Our worldview is not a what, but a who. As we discussed last week, we're to listen to Him, the words from the mouth of God, the words from the mouth of the Son. We are to listen to them. And even though we know whom we are to listen, we still struggle very, very much with actually obeying His words and putting that into practice. We often struggle internally with the wrestling match. I don't know about you, but for me, this is so true, this wrestling match with, that I have with other voices in our heads shouting, clamoring for my attention. Those voices that are in the world, hey, it's about wealth, it's about beauty, it's about power, it's about politics, it's about athletics, it's about intelligence, it's about pleasure or popularity, this secular in materialistic world, those voices are enticing. I can guarantee you they're enticing no matter, no matter your age. And I was called an old man. It's easy to get sucked in to these words. It's easy to get sucked in by the world. Eugene Peterson kind of wrote his own version of the Bible. It's called the message. And I like how he put 2 Peter chapter 2 verses 1 through 3. Listen to it. I put it on the screen. But there were also there were also lying prophets among the people then, just as there will be lying religious teachers among you. They'll smuggle in destructive divisions, pitting you against each other, biting the hand of the one who gave them a chance to have their lives back. They've put themselves on a fast downhill slide to destruction, but not before they recruit a crowd of mixed-up followers who can't tell right from wrong. They give the way of truth a bad name. They've only, they're only out for themselves. They'll say anything, anything that sounds good to exploit you, they won't, of course, get by with it. They've come to a bad end, for God has never just stood by and let that kind of thing go on. So, brothers and sisters, let me ask you, is this not the battle that we all face? I mean, isn't this a battle that we face, the battle between darkness and light? It's called the great controversy, light versus darkness, good versus evil, right versus wrong, God versus Satan. What is my worldview? See, these are moral and ethical battles that we face every day. And the question is, is what is my worldview? And I believe the moral absolutes, our moral absolutes that we claim are moral absolutes, are today very subjective. Very subjective. So how do we view divorce? How do we view cohabitation. How do we as believers view homosexuality? 
How do we view immigration? How do we view racism? How do we view the accumulation of wealth? We often find ourselves caught serving two masters, which no one, none of us can do. We either love the one and hate the other. We will hate the one and we will love the other. We're not fully devoted. And I'm not, and we're not also, I'm not fully convinced in our own mind that most of us don't think that we could have both. We can have both. For most in the world, this is their worldview. I can be in the world, but not of the world. I can participate in the joys and pleasures of this world and still hang on to God. And how many of us struggle with this? It's a struggle we all have in our own lives. Our worldview is divided. We're not fully devoted and not fully committed to Christ and His body. We want both. We want both, and we want to have our cake, and we want to eat it too. On one side, we love Jesus, and we love that He can be our warm blanket when we need to wrap ourselves around Him. This is our worldview. I call it the warm blanket worldview. I grab my blanket when I need it, and I have that comfort, and I have that assistance, but I leave it behind when I want to seek my own desires and my own ambitions. But we are to be clothed with Christ, clothed with Christ. We're to put Him on. We have put on a new wardrobe that acts as our armor. This is a permanent clothing we are to wear everywhere. Each of us who have been baptized into Jesus Christ have put on Christ. We wear His clothes, not our clothes. We've decided to put Him on. We've made a commitment. That's what Tate and Tatum and Emily and Brennan and Jackson have done over these past couple of weeks. And my prayer is, my prayer is, is a prayer of our Savior, which He says this in John 17, verse 15. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Okay, I want to introduce how we can do that, how we can remain faithful, how we can change and be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ to move. And what it's going to take is we're going to have to move from a worldview to a word view. A worldview to a word view. And no, I didn't spell my lesson wrong as you may have thought I had on the outline. He didn't spell this right. Yeah, it does have a little red line when you're typing. It doesn't like it, but it is where, where I want it. And no, and so, John's gospel is inviting us. His gospel is inviting us into a word view. To see our world through the words of God, through the words of Jesus, to see everything through Jesus who is the word. John 1, 1, again, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And I'm not telling you anything new here. I mean, this is, this is, it will always be the struggle of man, the struggle that we face until Jesus returns. Worldview or word view? To whom am I going to listen? To whom am I going to listen? 
And this is not easy. It's not easy. Because there's not a single one of us in here that are perfect. All of us are broken. Just in different places. And we all fail from time to time. But as I said two weeks ago, we're here. We're here. We're here as a family. Bonded together through joys and through sorrows. We are a family that's striving to listen to the Word. And also a family that fails at listening to the Word sometimes. But we're family. And as a family, we often don't see eye to eye. But as a family, we love each other. We love each other. And we've been through those good times. And we've been through those hard times. And we get along, we get along because we as a church have made a commitment. And that commitment comes from Paul's word in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 3. Anybody know that verse by now? Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And if we're going to remain faithful, we must put our trust and our hope in that word. Listen to how Peter describes our conversion to a word view. Listen how Peter describes this, as how he describes our conversion to a word view. You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring logos of God. That's what it reads. Into the living, through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, and all glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is a word that was preached to you. How powerful is this verse? Peter is reminding his listeners of this principle that we spoke about last week. Man does not live by every, does, man lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The word was preached to the recipients of Peter. It was a living and enduring word of God, and they heard it, and they believed. Remember, Jesus spoke the very words of God. We looked at that passage last week in John chapter 12. He was told what to speak and what to say. Therefore, my desire is to have a word view, a word view, a God view, a Jesus view, right? I mean, isn't isn't this what we're supposed to be? But how do we get there? How do we get there? I have three things I'd like to offer this morning. All of these ideas come from the text in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. First, and I want to use the first person in this. First, I must determine who controls my life. I must determine who controls my life. Remember, we're involved in a moral and ethical battle. Light versus darkness, good versus evil, right versus wrong, God versus Satan. And I must determine, I must determine who I will allow to control my life. We all have a choice, all have a choice. Each of us have a choice. Listen to John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. He, the Word, was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. So where do I put my faith? Where do I put my hopes? Where do we put our dreams? Who do I allow to have influence over myself? Or more importantly, who do I allow to have authority 
over me. Every single one of us, every single one of us, every single one of us are listening to someone. We are all being motivated by someone. All of us. And here's a scary thought. Scary thought? Here's a scary thought. Scary thought is that someone that you're listening to is you. You're telling yourself what to do. And that's exactly where Satan wants us. Exactly where he wants us. And here's a sad thing. We all know how Satan works. Every single one of us know how Satan works. We know his schemes. We've been there. We know his lies. We've experienced them because we know of the hurt that Satan has caused in our life and the hurt that we have caused others. And we also know the hurt that we have had in our own lives because we've listened to him. But what if? What if? What if we gave ourselves over? What if we listened to the one who created all things and who formed us through him? All things were made. Listen to this in Colossians 1, verses 16 and 17. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. The creator formed you. The Creator formed me. He formed me. Before the foundation of the world, the Word, Jesus, the Word knew my name. He knew me before one of my days ever came to be. I spoke at Faith Village Church Christ on Wednesday night. My nephew is is a youth minister there at Faith Village in Wichita Falls, Texas. And they're expecting their first child in October. And uh, they are having a very difficult time settling on a name. Anybody been there? And so I told them, I told them, whatever name that you pick, it will be the perfect name because it's one that has already been picked out before the world began. So whatever you pick is going to be perfect. They looked at me like, you're nuts. And they thought it was a wise crack. Probably so. But remember, all this, all this goes back to the first lesson that we did in this series. The question that I said all of us must answer, every single one of us. And this is the most most important question every single one of us will ask in our lives. And here it is, whose am I? Whose am I? So will I allow the one who was from the beginning, the one through whom all things are made, the one I choose to be mine? Will I allow him to be the one that will be the Lord and master of my life? Or or will I continue to listen to the voices in my head, the voices that are out there? Which one am I going to have? Am I going to have a word view or am I going to have a world view? All right, I want to go back to John chapter 1, verse 4. We're going to move to our second point here. And here's that verse. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. I loved how Jesus himself, actually how John restates what Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 6. When Jesus says this, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. So the second, second worldview question or statement I want to make is, I must determine who defines my life. I must determine who defines my life. Okay, so we're going to have a show of hands here in a minute. And so I need you to wake up if you're asleep. And if your spouse is asleep, punch them right now because I'm, I'm, you will all want to raise your hands on this. Okay, hopefully everybody will raise your hands on this. So wake up, here we go. So now, wait, let me kind of set it up. All right, I'll tell you when. How many of you have the goal of being with God one day in His mansion that He's preparing for us? Wait, wait, wait. In other words, how many of you want to be with Jesus after you die? Anybody? Okay, all of us, hands up. Great. That's what I hope for. That's what I'm, uh, I'm begging you to have that. So, since we all have that goal, we must allow Jesus to define the way to His home. If I'm going to go and be there, I need to know exactly how do I get to Him. Because Jesus said, I am the way. We therefore ought to be using Jesus as our guide, our map, the one we follow. If Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus is making a word view declaration. And here's that declaration. My word is a declaration of direction which defines my life. My word is a declaration of direction which defines my life. My life is defined by a word view, a word view. The words which come out of the mouth of God, the words which come out of the mouth of Jesus are eternal. I can capture and be faithful to His way of life. There's a mansion waiting for me, and that's where I want to go. And how challenging is this? Because I'm telling you, just obeying the words of Jesus they're not that easy. Matthew 5, and I'm paraphrasing here. If you're attending worship and in the middle of the service, you remember you have something against another. Leave worship and get your relationship right with that individual before you come back to worship. challenging, right? Jesus' words. How about love your enemies? If that's not challenging as well, how about do to others as you would have them do to you? How about love your neighbor as yourself? None of these are easy. And one more example, Jesus is also light. I am the way, the truth, and the light. Therefore, the direction of our lives need to be a light, to shine, to be with Jesus and others, letting our light shine so that others may see our good deeds and glorify Him. I was blown away by you, as, as, by Lake Homa. I've been blown away by you this past two weeks or three weeks. And the reason I've been blown away is because 84 of you signed up for the big gift. And that does not include any youth group. 84. 
you, we are going to participate in something this week that will serve 1,600 students. 1,600 students. And all the preparation will go for four hours in which we will have cars and cars that will come through the area, and those 1,600 students will be given a backpack of their choice and supplies that they will need for school. It will involve about 150 volunteers with us and with Clear Springs, and it will cost around $25,000 to pull that off, and we help out with that. Right now, it's the biggest school supply drive in all of Canadian County. And we do this, why? Why do we do this? It's because we have a word view. We have a word view. Because we are the ecclesia. We're the called out. We're the word called out. We desire to help, and we want to be people that serve, and we want to live by the words of Jesus. And in Matthew 20, verses 26 through 28, Jesus says, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Word, the Word is a declaration of direction which defines our life. And okay, last, and this is number three. I must determine who is my life. I must determine who is my life. And this goes with the question of whose am I? Whose am I? John chapter 1 verse 5 says this, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Every day, every day, we are in the middle of a battle. We're in the middle of the battle for our souls and the souls of people that we love. Satan is our enemy, and he's prowling around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And remember, Satan is a created being. He's not eternal. He will have his day in court. And yes, that means that Satan is a part of the creation of God. And you go, well, why did he do that? Well, he created, created each of those beings to have choice, to have choice. And yet, even though they chose a different path and God created them to be these heavenly beings, God takes full responsibility for his creation. Listen to Isaiah chapter 45, verses 5 through 7. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. I will strengthen you, though you have not acknowledged me, so that from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting, men may know there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form the light and create darkness. I bring prosperity and create disaster. I, the Lord, do all these things. Yes, God created the darkness. He allows the darkness to have power in this world. And as I said in, last, in, in that first lesson that I did in this, our Heavenly Father is desiring. He's desiring to be a husband. He's desiring to have a bride, the church. 
And he's desiring to have children that he can instruct, that he can help be his children, to teach them, to guide them in the way that they need to go. Because why? Because God wants a household. He wants a family. And he could do all this, and he could not do all this without giving us a choice. We all have a choice. Because if we didn't have a choice, that would be servitude. And all we do is just do what he will. He desires his children to love him. Love him. To find him. To reach out to him, even though he's not far from each one of us. God loved the world that he created And he created these heavenly beings who they also had a choice. And we know that many of them rebelled. They rebelled. They chose not to stay in God's glory. And God takes full responsibility for their decision. He therefore sent his one and only son to defeat the darkness. Listen to this in John 3. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world But men loved darkness instead of light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light, and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. So, so, who? is my life. Who is your life? Whose are you? Whose are you? Whose are you? And will I have a worldview or will I have a word view? Those are the questions each of us must answer every single day. I leave you I leave you with this week with the words of Jesus, his priestly prayer in John chapter 17. And if you would, I'm going to ask you to stand as we read this passage. Would you please stand? Holy Father, keep them. You don't have to read. Just listen. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. As you sent me into the world, so I sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified by truth. I did not ask for these only, but for all those who will believe in me through their word, 
that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I am in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Let's sing.